Welcome to Back to Business Shakers on the sunny Sunday afternoon. My name is Bronwyn Lundestead and we are going to shake the BS out of business because let's face it, business can be full of BS at the best of times. So coming in today's conversation is the conflicting worlds of mind, business and politics. Yes, the favourite word, politics. We are in elections time and now is the best time to bring politics into our conversations. How is business and politics mixed? We are brought to you by DRN1, so go ahead and like our page. I would love to have your feedback and comments. Send us a message through the Messenger chat on Facebook and let's get you on air. So today's guest has just arrived back in Perth after spending time out in a beautiful state connecting with the locals. He is super passionate about giving a transparent, democratic voice to our farmers in the agricultural region. He is one of the most inspirational people that I've met and he is completely and wholly committed to his purpose and his message. So welcome, Bass Tadros, and thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Bronwyn. Thank you for having me here. Bass, you're the candidate for the Health Australia Party in our agricultural region. I have plenty of questions that I want to ask you about that, but let's get our audience to know a bit about you. So who are you? Well, my name is Bas Tadros and um, basically I've been in small business. I've been in mindset world for quite some time. Um, I've also spent some time in the corporate world. Um, and yes, now I'm diving into deep pool um, of uh, politics uh, with the elections less than six days away. Um, so I'm, I'm glad to talk to you about all this stuff and I'm so glad that you brought up the term BS. I actually speak about that quite a lot in my talks yep. and I refer to, of course, belief systems because it's very much um, a mindset thing when you talk about that sort of BS. Yes, <laughs> that's an interesting way. So your background, I know you said you come from corporate and you've got your own business. Can you tell us a bit more about where you come from? Yeah, certainly. Um when I was, uh, I guess, finishing up school and uni, um, the only way that I saw uh, creating a, an impact in, in my world, or at least in the business world, was to join a big corporate role. Mm -hmm. And I joined a Fortune 500 company for from a very young age, and I was with them for about 14 years, uh, which is quite rare for someone my age to, to spend that kind of time with one company. Um, so yeah, I, I guess I'm very brand loyal and uh, at the end of that 14 year tenure, I basically said I feel like I'm institutionalised, I've never worked anywhere else and I need to uh, get out, spread my wings and start my own business um, and so left corporate to start my own consulting firm. What mindset did you have to have to actually change from corporate over to having your own business? A very determined one and one that is willing to almost like free dive. It's, it's, it's very much, I mean, when you're in a corporate role, we used to joke about becoming uh, part of the furniture. The only way, it was almost as safe as some of the government roles. The only way you get fired is if you burn the building down basically um, and I'd been there for that long and, and changed roles and moved through departments so I actually loved what I was doing mm -hmm. but it was time for a change and to challenge myself to do something different yep. and I, I kind of termed it this way it's a little bit cheeky but anyone that's kind of gone from corporate to their own business I said it's time to get off the corporate teat and mm -hmm. uh, start you know finding uh, food for myself and and um, basically uh, you know, fend for myself, so to speak, because starting your own business is probably one of the biggest personal journeys I've ever been on, mm -hmm. um, other than getting married and having children. Yep. Um, I think that was right up there in terms of a challenge. Now, I have met your wife and she is 
gorgeous. Thank you. And you've got two, three, three beautiful sons. (laughs) Yes, I'm very fortunate, very, very blessed. And uh, they remind me every day how blessed I am. Nice. So I know for a fact you've written a book. Yes, uh, it's called Three Steps to Inspiration for Life. I actually wrote that one while I was in in corporate. Um, I was going through some challenges of my own in 2012 and uh, I really needed to do some soul searching. And I think that journey, which led me to writing the book and then ultimately leaving the corporate world in 2014, um, was very much about learning how to manage our emotions. And I think it's really important if you're running a business or I guess even working in business in corporate to learn to manage your emotions and to master your emotions because if you don't, then what happens is all the stress can kind of build up. And stress is, I think, one of the modern-day killers in the sense that it's a silent killer. Um, A lot of people think that stress only affects them physically, uh, you know, with the tension in their shoulders or their neck or they might have some sort of stomach aches or whatever. But it's a lot more than that because it also impacts people emotionally, psychologically, maybe even spiritually. And so the more we learn how to manage our emotions, the more you're likely to uh, release stress, manage stress, improve your life and and connect with people better, d- manage your business better or whatever that business may be, whether it's working for someone or working for yourself, um, you, you, you tend to thrive more and have more energy. Whereas if you're stressed out, it actually, it's it's literally, I, I liken it to having a computer with all these windows open that are draining your energy and your battery and your RAM and they, they just take away from the resources that you could be using mm-hmm. to create either more business or uh, more meaningful connections with people. So how would somebody learn how to manage their emotions? Um, so, so look, there's, there's several ways. I think the easiest and best way I can describe that is through understanding and valuing emotional intelligence Um, a lot of people place a lot of value and time around um, iq Mm -hmm. but i think iq is so um yesterday (laughs) it's so before 2000 but uh the the new thing that people really need to realize and, and monitor more is eq which is emotional intelligence um and and understanding that if you can learn how to be mindful mm-hmm. and that's not having a full mind but being mindful as in yep. uh, minding what you're thinking about and okay. when you're thinking and when to switch on and when to switch off uh, you'll be able to communicate better listen better sleep better um, and it basically like what i said about switching on and off a, a lot of people don't know how to do that quite um, well enough they don't know how to regulate that with your journey, your entrepreneurial journey, have you always had to seek out opportunities for growth or has it just been something that's been able to come through to you? I think you're constantly seeking. I think the day you stop seeking, um, you stop growing as a person and as an entrepreneur. So being entrepreneurial, it's all about seeking and growing and continuing to seek and continuing to grow. There's no uh, final destination. Okay. Now, with your business, what was your business or is your business? Because you are in politics now, so so I will go with the automatic assumption your full attention is on politics and the regions that you're concentrating your efforts on. 
Yeah, absolutely. Look, I, I literally almost parked my business uh, over six months ago just to concentrate 100% on politics. I'm running in this state election in the seat of agriculture, as you mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. The territory is larger than the state of Victoria. Wow. Um, it's it's a quite a big landmass, obviously smaller population uh, by comparison, but it spans all the way from Esperance through to Kalbarri with the wheat belt, and it's got several regions, I think four all up, which is Rowe, Moore, Geraldton, um, and the wheat belt. That makes up four, and that they fall within that same agricultural region. Now, this last week, where have you spent most of your time? We actually hired a motorhome and we travelled for a week, my family and I, my wife and three kids, with the youngest being about three months old. And we drove all the way to Esperance. We spent a couple of days in Esperance. We watched uh, the voting, uh, the early voting polls uh, and centres get quite busy there. And then we drove to Wajan uh, through Katanning. We spent a night in Katanning and then we were in Wajan for a couple of days for the Wajan Woolorama and then drove back home yesterday. So okay. it's, it's been a full week. It's <laughs> absolutely full on. Now, because this show is all about BS, what are some common myths that you've found in business? Now, you've come from corporate, you've run your own business. What myths have you encountered uh, about running a business? Well, I'll be completely transparent. I think one of the BSs that I thought were uh, possible is to leave the corporate, start your own business and work less hours. <laughs> so that hasn't actually been the case. If When you start your own business, you work a lot more hours yep. uh, than you would if you were working for someone else. Um, I, I guess there's a lot more BS that you learn from that journey. Um, but yeah, that first one was for me, it was like a honeymoon period uh, or, or, or at least it was a fantasy idea yep. that uh, that I realised wasn't quite true when I started working for my, my own business. It's longer hours, you work a lot harder. When you work for someone else, you get paid first and then you deliver the, the time and, and, and the work. When you work for yourself, you do all the work first and then you charge. Yep. Um, so I think, you know, you as a, as a business owner, you've got to demonstrate a lot of value in order to win someone's business um, and, and to work with them. And my work is very much about um, winning trust because it's about working with people, it's consulting, uh, it's coaching, it's mindset work. Um, I've also done a lot of corporate work where I've gone back to corporates and government departments and um, done talks about mindset and working together, communication, leadership, that kind of thing. So, And I love that. I love doing the group stuff. Yep. Um, but I've also done the one-on-one, um, helping people get rid of addictions, uh, whether it's alcohol, drugs, smoking. And, you know, it's it's one of those things that there's no amount of money that could actually make you feel as happy and as rewarded as, as you do when you see someone succeed and actually get gain control back over their life and their health and their emotions. Um, so yeah, look, I've, I've got a very fruitful, fulfilling career, uh, which, which I absolutely love. Um, and they say, you know, there's a really good saying, uh, when you do what you love and love what you do, you never have to work another day in your life. Yep, that's true. So uh, I've been loving that up until six months ago, I decided to park it because I met a lovely group of people that are basically the WA president for Health Australia Party and the state secretary for Health Australia Party. And then I started to learn about what, what the values are for this particular party. And although I personally completely dislike politics and I've spent most of my life looking at uh, 
who who do I vote for? Which one is the better option of the lesser evils, so to speak? But when when I connected with these guys, I finally realized that there's actually a party you can vote for that has that community feel about it. Yep. It's made up of real people that are not career politicians mm-hmm. and they are genuinely interested in people's health. So going back with the values, the values of the Health Australia Party pretty much aligns in with your values. 100%, yeah. And your your experience from your business and what you're doing seems to have actually given you a really good platform to step up and out onto politics. Uh, absolutely. I think everything in our life builds onto the next thing that we do. So having had the corporate background, that gave me enough experience to, to know at least what I want to do, which is the I value the education, information, the building trust. Um, I was in marketing for that Fortune 500 company and it was after sales marketing, so building loyalty. Mm-hmm. And then I, I built on that because when I started my own consulting um, company, it was about how do, you, how do you get people to come and do a course or a program or a workshop and then like you enough to want to come back again and do other programs and, and, and spend more time with you. And, and then obviously meeting Health Australia Party, again, as you said, it dovetails with my focus is on health they are the Health Australia Party. Um, And so the values were in direct alignment and um, it was a no-brainer. Basically, my only holdback was I don't like politics and I don't want to get involved. But when I told them what my reasons were, they they turned around and said, well, that that makes you a perfect candidate. Oh, nice. So because you're actually very easy to approach and very easy to talk to, you definitely don't stand the, the stigma politician. No, totally not. And and I want to set new ground rules for politicians and for politics. We are speaking with Bass Tadros from the Health Australia Party. Lots of conversation going on during the break, but we're going to speak about business and getting back to business and how p- politics affects and relates to business, small business. So, Bass, you had your own business. What mindset does a business owner actually need to have to be running a business? Uh, you mean in general or in 2021 after COVID, <laughs> after 2020? <laughs> I think resilience is a very important word that plays out for small business owners. Um, also, the ability to... Um, to be creative, innovative, I, I think innovation is really, really important. Um, you know, not sitting around waiting for orders because that's definitely n- not the way for a small business or even a large business. Um, but, you know, connecting with clients, finding out what their needs are, trying to address some of their challenges and creating solutions to help them uh, overcome those challenges is is the key. So, But perhaps if we were to look at one mindset business owners need to have is to be a solution seeker mm-hmm. um, and someone that is can do rather than, you know, too hard and can't do because they won't last very long in business. So that relates to politics and having the resilience in politics. Do you need to have resilience or...? Oh, absolutely. I, I think so. And, and if we were to look at how does politics impact business, the easiest way to answer that is if anyone in business has done a SWOT analysis, um, they'd look at the strengths and weaknesses and threats and opportunities. And one of the threats is changes in government that could impact their business. Um, you know, obviously people in tourism uh, would, would tell you that the lockdowns, for example, that decision has completely devastated their tourism business. 
Um, and I mean, some might say, no, they disagree with that because we've also had a lot of WA um, internal tourism. So, um, look, it's not a one-size-fits-all in business and mm-hmm. it's never a one-size-fits-all in politics either. Um, the key is to find a balance and to find a solution that works to serve the majority. But like anything, you can't please all of the people all of the time, some of the people some of the time, maybe. So how is the Health Australia Party looking to support small business owners? Sure. Well, the the Health Australia Party is a true centre party committed to promoting open and transparent government decision-making, balance, honesty of information and stimulating individual freedom of choice and thought to ensure we have genuine healthy Australia. So the idea is... I think most business owners are free thinkers and if they weren't free thinkers, they probably wouldn't be business owners. They'd be working for someone else Um, and they'd all value having stability, Um, a government that gives them transparency, uh, some sort of balance um, would promote more stability, even in uncertain times. Um, And what we're looking to do, we're not obviously ever, (laughs) well, not in this election anyway, we're not going to win the majority seats to be a government. But we can definitely um, hope and aspire to win one or two seats in Parliament. We're only in the upper house in in this election. And um, that would then give us enough voice so that we can speak on behalf of some of the business owners and farmers in our territory that have concerns that the government needs to hear and listen to so that they can take into account when they're making some of the decisions around policies. Um, so that's that's the hope. The, basically, as a smaller party, um, we would aim to to work with individuals and business owners to get their voice in parliament and and create some sort of balance at least. Um, the government does need to be held uh, accountable, and anybody that values their democracy would know that uh, if Labor does get the majority seats in the lower house and the upper house, then they won't really need anybody to do the checking and balancing and uh, it won't be much of a democracy in that in that case. So basically small business owners should be turning around and going, we need to vote for the smaller parties such as the Health Australia Party so that you can actually have more of a, a voice in politics. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and I mean, <laughs> we would be very transparent in the sense that what they chair with us not only would impact what we take in Parliament, but it could also impact our policies. So we're young enough and amiable enough as a party that um, we've got plenty of good policies on our website um, and it, it's all out there for people to see. But if somebody was very passionate about a particular topic and we don't have that as a policy, we'd be willing to take whatever proposal they give us and examine that with the executive team and potentially allow that to be one of our policies. So we'd add to our policies. If somebody was passionate enough about a particular policy that we had that wasn't worded perfectly and it was probably something that they felt strongly about, we'd also consider their proposal to change that within the executive team. And and that's what I love about Health Australia Party. We can't be so fixated and so fixed on our ideas or our policies to the point where it works against what we're trying to create. The idea is to listen to people and to create a better outcome, a healthier outcome for all Australians. Now, you're in the agricultural region of Western Australia. Farmers, are they considered a small business? I I believe so. I I definitely believe so. I worked a lot with farmers 
um, when I was in corporate because the, the company that I worked for provided equipment in agriculture as well as in mining as well as in construction. So I enjoyed spending time with farmers. Farmers are always you know, are full of character and if you got five farmers in in a room the saying goes that you'd have seven opinions um so there's a lot to learn from them and they are the people that are closest to nature i believe because they've got to really listen to what nature dictates in terms of the weather patterns impact their business uh you know dry or rain or no rain in the cases that we've had with some droughts it really impacts their business and so they're the closest to to nature and to our food supply uh, that we're going to get in terms of that voice. And and they are definitely, they run a small business. So, so most of them um, have to manage their crop, they have to manage their staff, they have to manage, and usually their staff is their family mm-hmm. and their succession plan is their family. Yep. So without a succession plan, without family to take over, some of their businesses either uh, go by the, by the wayside when they retire, when they pass. Um, so we really got to take care of that and make sure that there is succession planning for our farmers because they're also directly connected, not only to nature for us, but to our food supply. So if we don't honour farmers and farming, uh, we could soon find out some really tough lessons about uh, you know, food shortages and things like this. Do you think that farmers actually have a voice in politics? Do they have a presence? Look, the, the region where I spent a bit of time in the last week or so um, is very predominantly um, you know, the Nationals sort of territory. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the Nationals as a party uh, claim to, to be, you know, no metro seats and just regional and rural. And I think, I mean, that, that's fair enough. Um, could they have more voice? Could they have more balance? Uh, perhaps a party that doesn't have any influence from um, any of the other parties, like the bigger ones, the Liberals or the Labors. Um, I think that's where we could come in and, and, and serve that purpose. Um, yeah, I think if you were to ask, can you have more than one ambassador for mm-hmm. farmers that could carry their voice and, and provide solutions, that... Well, that's a definite yes. I think people should have more than one ambassador and more than one choice mm-hmm. um, be, because some, quite frankly, some of the farmers were not completely overly happy with the choices that they've had in the past. So they were refreshed and happy to hear about Health Australia Party and having another choice um, to, to choose and to vote for. So that succession plan with farmers, because obviously farming generally tends to run through families in generations. Yeah. How is the Health, Party, Health Australia Party going to come to the, the boardroom and actually help the farmers with this plan? Well, we probably won't be sitting with them talking about succession planning as such. But what I think what we could do is bring together governance and policies that allows for uh, people to look at farming as, as a as a trade or as a practice, just like people aspire to be architects, for example, in the city, well, are there people that could be trained and aspire to be farming managers mm-hmm. that could then um, take care of some of these farms where the succession planning hasn't been done or where family members are not going to particularly take over from their parents? Um, could they, these farming managers then step in as a job role and, and you know, keep the, the farm rolling and, and the work going? 
So I actually did have a look at the policies well and truly before you came here so I could see what the Health Australia Party stood for. When it comes to farming, you've got a lot about going about the ecosystem and rejuvenation and how does that all affect the land and our farming community? Well, some farmers are 100% organic, some are even biodynamic. Um, so so the, the idea is some of them are actually not opting to use the nasty chemicals on their soils because they've seen the harmful effects that has on on their soil, on the, the crop that they grow um, and even on what, what they've seen in terms of people that have been affected by some of these chemicals. And some are not doing the whole biodynamic or organic but they, they're kind of traditional in the sense of doing the traditional farming and using some chemicals but not as much um, as others. And, and it's interesting to see that dynamic play out because there's, there's you know, almost like three different types of farming mm-hmm. going on in one state and some of them are probably not that far from each other in territory. Um, but they're di- completely far from each other in terms of mindset. Okay. And so that, that's been interesting to see and a lot of them want a voice to talk about eliminating some of these chemicals and not having chemicals, harsh chemicals introduced that are destroying the soil or degrading the soil. And the ones that talk about regeneration of soil are actually very innovative in their ideas and and they're doing quite well. They're very successful um, in what they're doing. So with the, you you mentioned mindset, how do you cater for the different mindsets? Well, the idea is to stay balanced and and to you know give them the room to to be innovative because if if we shut down an idea and say no stick to the <laughs> stick to what you've been told use the chemicals do what do what you've been told kind of thing and you got no other choice well that's not really democratic and it's not honoring people's freedom of choice and innovation and um and who's really benefiting from that anyway? I mean, some of the ones that have used the chemicals are only doing it because they feel that that's what they needed to do to stay afloat and to stay profitable. Um, but the credit to the ones that are doing things differently, um, I guess the mindset that I feel that I need to listen to all of them is just to be open-minded and uh, and allow them to, to do things their way. We are speaking with Bass Tadros from the Health Australia Party. So when we left, I was talking about farmers. I want to know, are we as Australians supporting our farmers in West Australia enough? I think we could definitely be doing a lot more. There's, there's a lot more that can be done. There's a lot of farmers uh, that I met and spoke with that felt that they're kind of left a little bit high and dry. <laughs> um, we were just speaking while we are during the break here about uh, farmers, for example, that want to do more organic farming and how are they faring um and i think a lot of them feel that you know it's it's at their expense so it was asked while we were at the break if should farmers who do organic farming should they receive a a reimbursement from the government at the end of the year or should they should they be paid to be doing that organic farming i think we can definitely look at potentially um, the incentivization of organic and biodynamic farming because of the fact that the health benefits will will stack up in that direction, potentially uh, reduce the medical bills um, for one. Um, but it could also be because of the fact that they have to take on a lot of costs to certify 
um, items as organic. And we, we don't see the uptake, for example, for Coles, Woolworths and other big chains to be selling organic or biodynamic fruits and vegetables in their in their uh, sections. Um, so, yeah, I, I personally think that they deserve to be incentivized. Mm-hmm. Um, are we doing enough for them? I, I don't think we're doing quite a lot. So just for somebody coming from it, the difference between organic and non-organic, what, what is the difference? It's less sprays, it's um, less chemicals being used in the soil, um, and, you know, it's allowing, allowing Mother Nature to, to do what she needs to do. Um, a lot of the crop that's grown is also specifically grown for profits, which means, um, for example, someone was telling me that there's over 200 different types of wheat and so the people that suffer from wheat intolerance or wheat allergies or gluten intolerance, um, it's because farmers are told which of the weeds to grow out of those 200 different strains. And it's predominantly the one that grows the quickest. Okay. The one that they can re-harvest um, and takes the shortest amount of time so that they can boost their profits, so to speak. But that may not necessarily be the one that's perfect or good for our health or our stomach. And that's what creates the allergies. So with our farmers, because I know with politics and how the exporting of the produce has decreased specifically in meat and our wool, how are farmers going to benefit help through politics uh, to keep the money coming in for their farms when they're actually being stopped exporting? How they've been helped uh, during exporting uh, for, for wool and meat. Yeah, so when the when their their exports are actually stopped for the meat and the wool, how is the government going to help them with finance when they can't get their produce out? Well, I think we're struggling a lot with that already because we, we, we some of the exports that we do, or a lot of them that go to China, have have suffered during this recent debacle of, of how things have been handled between Australia and China for, uh, for various reasons. Um, and I think the government needs to obviously take a good hard look at how we're managing things, keeping a strong united front. We can't have one minister saying we're going to, you know, be doing an inquiry on how China's handling something and the other minister calling up asking are you going to receive our orders because we've got ships on the way and we've got things we really need to keep a, a unison that's not how you would run a business the way that they're currently running the situation um, isn't very unified and yes of course the farmers are the ones that are left impacted the people that have this these produce and these products that are being exported are the ones that are going to suffer the consequences of us um, not dealing well enough with the, with the receiving countries that are buying our, our exports. So should we focus more on buying Australian only, specifically West Australian in our state? I always think local and support local. I think that is really, really important. Um, you know, the, the more we can support our local farmers and our local producers, um, it goes every little bit of help goes a long way. Definitely. With the help. So I'm just thinking with parents or families that are struggling, individuals are struggling, they generally tend to go for the cheapest item and that usually is imported produce, which isn't even from our state. What message should we be saying to our governments 
about our local su- supplies. Yeah, definitely incentivizing locals would be good so that they can keep up with uh, with what's uh, what's available um, in terms of options. I think one of the things that have gone in the right direction is in the last five or maybe a little bit longer sort of years, we started to see tags to show what the origin of the food is and where it's coming from and uh, whether the oranges are here in WA or they're from New South Wales or they're from uh, California or something. Um, and and that's really important because then it gives people a choice when they're looking at buying apples or oranges. Are they locally grown and sourced or are they coming from somewhere else? And I'm not saying that we shouldn't buy any of the things that are in the store that are from somewhere else. Sometimes, uh, you know, you might not have oranges in season and you want to eat oranges and that's okay. But it's, it's more, I think, if we can allow the 80-20 rule of supporting local 80% of the time and supporting some of the other produce 20% of the time because of, again, it may be necessity mm-hmm. um, or, or choice or variance or options. Um, but if we allow that 80-20 rule to play out where we're supporting local 80% of the time, um, then I think that will go definitely a long way. So with business, because you've said farming is very much like running a business. How does business and politics, are they the same? Are they different? I'd like to probably think that we <laughs> we should have a prerequisite that people can't get into politics or government if they've never run a small business. I think mm-hmm. that would be a really good idea. Um, if we look at a quote from a, a very astute, uh, successful, probably one of the wealthiest men, if he's not the wealthiest man on earth at the moment, which is Elon Musk, he said government's don't run the way that a business would run and they run so inefficiently because we've never heard of a government that's run bankrupt. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really great um, perspective that Elon has shared and, and it's very true. We need governments, especially at these times, to run a little bit leaner um, to understand what it means to be, um, sparing when it comes to um, managing uh, cash flow and budget um, and and not push it. And, you know, I mean, we've seen even in the last 12 months or so how things have gone with stimulus. Um, I think there was a debacle very early on in that because the treasurer made a mistake in terms of uh, what he thought the allowance was going to be for that stimulus. And then it was released later on that there was a mistake and they didn't think it was going to cost as much as it was. And so things like that are inefficiencies that we can't afford to have at a state or federal level um, because who's going to pay for all these (laughs) mistakes or inefficiencies? It's the taxpayers. And I think people quite often forget that. Um, And we we really need to hold people accountable um, for these kind of decisions. So how are you going to be held accountable when you're out representing the farmers and the communities in our agricultural regions? Well, it's going to be pretty very, I mean, very much transparent um, and it, it's a lot easier to hold a small party accountable because there's not going to be uh, much covering of our of our butts. We're going to have a big job and task ahead of us when we're elected and we're going to have to fulfil that job and, and get that work done. Um, we, we can't hide or sit there and enjoy a cushy uh, position because it's going to be a lot of hard yards. I mean, I'm experiencing those hard yards as it is yep. even before being elected, just 
getting out there and spending my own time and money uh, to do the work that needs to be done and to hear from the farmers. And I'm excited. I think that, um, and I will welcome being held accountable um, in doing what I need to do because if I'm not, then then I haven't really achieved what I've set out to do. Um, so yeah, look, I'm I'm quite excited about what the future holds. But again, we, we've got to get past this election first, and we've got to be voted in uh, before we uh, start to you know count our blessings. <laughs> so, what message do you have for the farming communities? Well. I guess the clearest message I could make at the moment is a probably more of a request or a plea. If you haven't voted yet, um, please consider uh, where you put your vote. Um, if you haven't heard of Health Australia Party, look us up. Uh, healthaustraliaparty.com.au. Look at our policies. If you disagree with a couple of the policies, don't throw out the baby with the bathwater because nobody always agrees with every single party's policies mm -hmm. but look at the overall merits of this and uh, and look at the fact that we again won't hold government but we will potentially um, be able to create that balance in in parliament um, and th that's what we hope to achieve we hope to be a voice for you um, so vote for your health i guess that's the the key message and for those who uh, already have their mind made up and it's towards a party that they hold a lot of loyalty to, um, think about that party for the lower house, um, think about us for the upper house, or at the very least in the upper house ballot, which is quite long, I've actually gone and, and voted at one of the centres and looked at the ballot with my name on it. Um, it is almost a metre long and you've got a lot of choices to choose from. And some of you probably wish to have less choices next time because there's too many to, to really look at and to analyse and to choose from. But look at Health Australia Party and, and if you're going to go for your favourite that you're loyal to, go below the line and I know it will take a little bit longer. Give them your one. Give us your two. Give health your two. It will go a very long way for a um, small party like us and hold us accountable. You know, I'm happy for you to call me personally. Make sure that whatever it is that you're dealing with gets addressed in Parliament. And um, and if I'm elected or when I'm elected, uh, hold me accountable to making sure that your message is, is spoken for in Parliament. So that's something you don't hear very often. Call me personally so that you can actually speak. Yeah, I, look, I prefer to be personable and... Um, I actually allowed my mobile number to be on our advertisement in the Wage and Woolorama um, advertising mm -hmm. um, in the Farm Weekly. So a lot of farmers already have my mobile number um, out there. Uh, so I'm, I'm okay with that. I would rather that I do have contact with constituents and with people that are in my region that are voting for me um, so that I can meet their requests and address their concerns and you know, I've already dealt with a few, even without being in Parliament, that have had some devastating stories. A mother that has lost a son to, uh, well, she, I mean, I'm not sure if we've ruled out completely. I think she says it was overdose or, or taking a drug that was medicated to him um, to, because he was suffering depression and couldn't get back from uh, interstate because of the border closures. And it's absolutely devastated her. Um I think the the this could have been avoided um, yes. if if he was able to get home. So he's a, a WA man, a young artist 
who's gone and worked over in Queensland, lost his job or work run out because of COVID. And then he was attempting to come back to WA. And because of the border closures, he couldn't get back. And as he was suffering anxiety, depression, he went and saw a number of doctors, got medicated. The, the drug that he took basically made his liver shut down and he died. And so it's absolutely devastating. But And, and it's just one of many stories of people suffering that are, uh, you know, trying to come home. Um, yep. And things like that really need some personal attention. And I think we should be assessing those matters and allowing people to come home to their families and, and not let them suffer through hardships that are unnecessary. So just to let our audience know, your region, where are you covering from throughout yep. Western Australia? Sure. So, uh, look, I'll, I'll, I know politics is sometimes a foreign language to most people. There are actually six seats, six regions in the upper house. Um, there's mining and pastoral, which is the largest region. Um, and then the second largest is agricultural. And agricultural spans, which is my region, and mm-hmm. it spans all the way from Esperance through the Wheat Belt and up through Geraldton to all the way to, to Kalbarri. So it is a very big region. It's Roe, it's Moore, Geraldton and the Wheat Belt uh, combined. Um, and then, of course, the other regions are metro regions, the other four. So that's East Metro, Southwest, South Metro, North Metro. Um, that's the other regions in the upper house. And we actually have a candidate in each of those six seats okay. for Health Australia Party. Okay, so speaking about the stories of the locals in the area, what value are you bringing to your role? How are you going to help them? I think the, the important thing is to be a, a, someone that listens and then someone that takes their voice into parliament once elected. That's the key. And, and a lot of people just want to be heard I think we were having this conversation the other day with some people, members in the community that I was talking to, and um, it could have been people in Geraldton actually. That, and, and we said for, for some people to be heard and listened and understood is more valid and important than, than to be loved. That's how, that's how <laughs> uh, much of a priority it is. So I guess the way that I think that I can serve my community is just to, to, to be an ear and to listen and then to be a voice in Parliament and to raise those concerns if those concerns have a pattern or have a significance that need to be addressed. Thank you, Bas, so much for joining us today. My pleasure. And best of luck for the elections. Thank you. I'm very excited. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you've not voted and you are in the agricultural region, go and tick vote one for Bas Tadros because um, it is definitely he is definitely a democratic, a clear, transparent democratic voice for you. So please don't forget to like our Facebook page on DRN One and share with your friends and networks. Just letting our audience know and the small business out there, we are taking adver- advertisements for our show. So if you would like to feature on our show, contact the station. Stay dedicated because great things take time. Join us next Sunday at two p.m. live here at DRN One. My name is Bronwyn. I'm from Business Shakers, where we will shake the BS of business that no one tells you about and give you useful tips and tricks of how to start, run and grow your business. Thank you for joining us.